0: Welcome to The Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Herbert, your host, and with me is none other than Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing today, Brandon? Mark, I'm not that. I'm not half bad. How about you? I'm mostly bad, but hey, you know, oh. a couple of time off the rest of the day, everything's going to be great.
1: Yeah, town t- t- no all usually
0: help. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brandon, it's yet another episode of The Baseball Biz. And here we are going to delve into the madness of that thing that we know and love called baseball. Talking about the people, talking about the players, talk about the business. And there's just so much going on right now, Brandon. I mean, we're going to be talking about everything from the Yankees, the Dodgers and Padres rivalry. I don't know. Maybe we'll call it that. We'll be looking <laughs> yeah. We'll be looking at some guys on retirement plans and some guys who are coming back after several years. Take us-like, uh, take a look at the NL West, and of course, our favorite team, what's happening with the Yanks? So, and what Mr. Cashman and fans may have to offer. All right, Brandon, what a great way to start. And any other items we should add to the pizza there? Um,
1: If you want to give us a follow, you can follow me at SportsBlitzPod. And Mark, what is yours? It's at TheBaseballBiz? At
0: TheBaseballBiz, you got it, brother. Hey, I'm glad if one of us was-
1: is paying attention. Yeah, feel free to give us a follow.
0: That's absolutely okay, brother. I'd like to start this week with just digging into the rundown because there is so much going on. But if you could pop a few highlights of maybe some things that didn't make the headlines, what do you got?
1: Yeah, we'll start off with some uh we'll start off with a little bit more of the series stuff to get it out of the way before we get into some lighter hearted stuff. But we'll start with Jeff Passon. According to him, the MLB and MLBPA met for the first time this week to talk CBA, which expires December 1st, and with both sides pretty much hating each other and accusing the other of bad faith negotiations over the past couple years, this should be a good thing to watch the next couple months and, and see where it goes, because it could get ugly pretty quickly.
0: Well, as you pointed out, it hasn't been pleasant, and that CBA, I, I'd hoped it we in 2019, there was going to be enough time for them to find some common ground and actually get it worked out far in advance. But evidently, that, that hasn't happened. And as you well know, a lot of folks are stipulating there may not be a 2022 season. I mean, if these two guys can't get together and make some uh, make a, a friendly gestures, find some middle ground. Because remember, it's all about the fans. It's not about you. And you, I'm talking about the owners and the players. Eh, it's somewhat about the players. But you need to be taking that into perspective. I, I'm sorry, you get me on my high horse here again, Brandon. <laughs> hey, they had a
1: hard time coming up with a deal to play during a pandemic. I don't know how they can do it during normal times. But we'll talk about that when it comes comes time, too. But heading to the Phillies, they recently put three players on COVID IL, with pitchers Jose Alvarado and Matt Moore going on. With infielder Ronald Torres, joined by first base coach Paco Figueroa and assistant Bobby Meacham, they also entered protocols, joining other coaches: hitting coach Joe Dillon, third base coach Dusty Watham, and bullpen coach Dave Lundquist, who are already on IL.
0: You, you know, I'd really hoped at this point we wouldn't be seeing any COVID nineteen out there. I noticed that a lot of the players and coaches are are no longer wearing masks mask with his chin diapers and i I don't know if that's part of it i mean it's a serious thing
1: yeah and hopefully we don't see it much much longer you know with the vaccines rolling out and you know a lot of these people becoming more eligible and thankfully it's not as bad as it was last year so far knock on wood i'll do that right now (laughs) yeah give you a hard time in editing for that but we'll do it just to be safe (laughs) and hopefully by the time, you know, 4th of July rolls around, we're getting down to the playoff push. We see less and less of this, and maybe at worst, it's one or two guys. Speaking of teams that had a rough week, the Twins. They lost 10-3 to to the Angels on Friday in Anaheim. But in a four-game series, they did not play the next three due to positive COVID tests. And they went on to Oakland to try and play the A's, where they didn't play Monday, but they played a doubleheader on Tuesday. First game, they were shut out seven nothing in the second game they were shut out one nothing that was the first time in six years they were shut out in consecutive games and the first time they were shut out in both ends of a double header since their inaugural season back in 61 oh. and if you want it to get even weirder their second game featured a 25 minute power outage and the game was finished without all the lights so a pretty rough road trip there for the twins
0: is, is there just like a dark cloud falling over them within baseball? I, I I don't know.
1: I guess I thought the dark cloud just just came around when the playoffs rolled around, but maybe it's a good thing it's hitting them early and not later in the year. So maybe for Twins fans, that's a maybe. Try to find a, a bright light in this situation.
0: Yeah, I love I'm I'm looking forward to some some positivity because I, I love the Twins. You know, plus we've got a. Uh, Coaching, gra- or manager graduate from the, the Rays going there too, so I should say he is there.
1: All right, transitioning to a little bit more positive or lighthearted news, Pirates and Tigers, they didn't get to play their Tuesday game, but this is for a, a bit better of a reason. Their game was postponed due to snow, and they played a doubleheader on Wednesday. Sean Kazmar Jr., he was promoted to the Braves roster on Saturday, where he got one at-bat and grounded into a double play in that bat when he pitched... Pinched hit in the fifth inning. The great player, or the great thing about this is that he's a 36-year-old utility player and had not played in the majors since September 23rd, 2008. That's 12 years, 206 days, or a total of 4,589 days, and that's the longest stretch in between MLB games since Manny Minoso in 1976, who went a stretch of 4,451 days. And Satchel Page is twelve years after his last full season.
0: Okay, that's crazy. All right, that that's absolutely crazy. Explain to me how that happened. I mean, was Casper just sitting in the minors all those years? Had, had he retired and came back? What, what had happened? And and who uh, who whose attention did he capture to come back?
1: Honestly, he was pretty much just bouncing around in the minors from team to team over those years. He was kind of like a journeyman, but in the in the AAA levels. And I guess it just came his time when you know injuries came came around and they needed a, a guy to come, be brought up, and so they brought him up. Sort of a, a reward for all his determination to get
0: to hang around that long in the minors. Well, we salute him, and I hope it's more than one game for him with the Braves. We'll see.
1: Yeah, hopefully, I I haven't seen. Seen if he's played since then, but hopefully he has gotten to play, because, I mean, he deserves us sending that long in the minors. Oh, yeah. And bringing fans into this, they're having a hard time catching home runs in the stands. In Philadelphia, YouTube star Zach Hampel tried to hurtle over a row of chairs to catch a homer hit by Giants' Brandon Belt, but he slipped and fell over the row of chairs trying to get the ball. And I did not see if he got the ball, but Had a bit of a rough time trying to get it, and respect the the determination to get that ball. And in Washington, a fan tried to catch a Tommy Edmund homer, but ended up dropping it, and he threw his hat and glove in disgust, but he got a second opportunity when Justin Williams hit a ball in the same spot, and the fan redeemed himself with catching that ball. And that being said, what was better, his reaction to dropping the first homer, or his Waffle House mask?
0: He's promoting Waffle House mask with the the COVID-19 mask. Is that what it was?
1: Yeah. I mean, unless I saw it was the wrong, unless I was looking at the wrong guy, he was just (laughs) wearing a mask and it said Waffle House on the front.
0: I wonder if they'll get charged by the MLB for promotion, but that's huge. Uh, Yeah. I I was going to say, looking back here at Zach Campbell, if you all haven't taken a look at this guy on YouTube, make sure you do. He's hilarious. Okay. Whether he intends to be or not. This young man, actually, he's probably not a young man now. He is a ball hawk. He goes to stadiums everywhere to film him catching balls, you know, that are either knocked out as a batting practice or sometimes, you know, he gathers them as just a pitch up from some of the players or, or even a home run. So he's, he's excited. I saw that too. I mean, Zach took quite a slip. It's like he must have been running up here across the lane and had a banana beneath him because it was. Bam! And that was it.
1: Yeah, and, and you got to check out all the things that he does to get the ball. I mean, he has like, scouting reports. I don't remember if he has any more, but he has like a glove trick that he'd use. And, and a, I think he had a cup trick at one point to scoop balls up uh, that were just sitting there by the wall. He had that at one point. I don't know if he
0: does anymore. If you're looking for baseball weirdness and entertainment, something beyond what happens on the field, Zach Campbell brings it.
1: Yeah, and, and before we move on, he also does food reviews sometimes of in-stadium food, which is is pretty good to watch, even though some of the food doesn't look the healthiest of choices. I'll I'll just put it that way.
0: Yeah, that's kind of scary. I even saw him uh, where they let him into the race club at the Trop on one of them, and uh, it looked like he wasn't going to get out of there to see any of the game, because the food <laughs> was obviously, you know, you know he says he eats healthy. I don't want to go too much down Zach Campbell, but he says he eats healthy, healthy but man, he gobbled up when he was there.
1: Hey, he he works it all off when he's running around the stadiums. No doubt. But moving on, is it too early to award the defensive player of the year? But Marcus Stroman made a behind-the-back play and threw the batter out at first while backpedaling away from the base. And also in that game, he pitched eight innings of one run ball with five strikeouts. That's outstanding. And, And that was a heck of a play. I think that was better than Mookie Betts' play in the San Diego series. I mean, that's just me. I thought Strowman's play was much better. Just a little bit.
0: Yeah, I always like a little entertainment like that, and it certainly you know shows that he's capable of a lot more than just pitching a great ball. Moving on, staying in New York, though,
1: the Yankees' Jay Bruce retires, and he hit two forty four over his career with 319 homers and 951 RBIs. And most of those were spent with the Reds, but he also bounced around to other teams before settling down in New York for what seems like just a couple of weeks before retiring on Sunday against the Rays.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that retirement later, too. And while you were quoting his average there of 244, uh, and time to settle down, he must have settled down early because his batting average this year has been a one eighteen
1: Yeah, but over his career, he was a three-time All-Star and a two-time Silver Slugger, so even though it's been a relatively short career, he he did accomplish a good amount during that.
0: Yeah, and kudos to him, and Mr. Bruce, and making the right decision at the right time. So we wish you the best. Actually, is fourteen years considered a short career? That's I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, good Lord. You said no, that. Maybe Was I misspoke. I, you know, what? well, <laughs> when you're as old as I am, fourteen years seems a little shorter than somebody your age does. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll just get we'll just chalk it up to that.
1: And lastly, the Dodgers and Padres series, one of the most anticipated of this whole year. Dodgers won the first two games, 11-6 to and 2 to nothing. which despite the 11-6 score from what I've seen, that was actually a really good game, and all the games are actually really good. And San Diego salvaged the series, winning the last game, 5-2, to and there might be a bit of a rivalry starting to brew between those two. What
0: do you think, Mark? I tell you what I I think there's a lot of palaver on that on the on the side of the Padres. It's like somebody's little brother comes, "Dad, can I, or brother, can I play? Can I play out there with you guys? Uh, can, can can I play?" It's like, you know, you're lucky to be here. Just just move on and we'll we'll talk about that later on, but yeah. Oh, and one other thing I'll say about that game that San Diego won. That was with Blake Snell pitching, and it wasn't his best day. I think that the, I'm not sure, but I think the two runs that were scored were scored during the five innings that he pitched. And he'll tell you flat out, I think, in the the post-game interview that that he still had some things to work on. So he owns up to that, but it was a good win for him, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Padres and Dodgers in a bit.
1: Hey, he gave his team a chance to win, and that's all we really ask of a starting pitcher. And with that, I believe that brings this week's rundown to a close.
0: Yeah, Brandon, when you were talking about the Dodgers and the Padres series, I mean, he's looking at this saying, big brother, little brother rivalry. I don't know. When I looked at it, when I was living in, in Kentucky, there's a University of Louisville and a University of Kentucky. And Kentucky would always say, we are the state university. And I'm looking back in the 60s and early 70s. And we have no reason, no reason whatsoever for our two basketball teams to play one another. They just, they took that attitude of big brother, little brother. We're part of the SEC and you're part of whatever, we don't care. And what happened with that was there's just there wasn't a rivalry because University of Kentucky, even though those two teams and their fans had a great deal of disgust for one another and little respect, there wasn't going to be a rivalry unless the University of Kentucky said so. And if we look at the Dodgers and Padres, there's been a much stronger and longer rivalry between the Dodgers and the Giants. So I look at this and say, oh, sorry, Padres. We have a giant rival already. So in San Francisco, we don't really need you. Who who are you again? Oh, the the fried-out friars, uh, the minor league monks. Uh. <laughs> you know, hey, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Has your team broken their vow of poverty and bought some talent lately? Hmm. Tatis, Darvish, Snell. Let's see. Oh, well, you know. Did you bring your own ball and bat to the field? Uh, and who are you again, little cousin? <laughs> I think that's maybe how the, the philosophical <laughs> you want to argument may have gone. <laughs> if we go beyond that little fiction and look at what's actually happened with that, I, I think there's something that's developing. I, one of the reasons is the Padres have really put together a strong team, and I know one of your favorite managers is out there too, Jace Tingler. Oh yeah, Tingler. Yeah, he's he's done a lot with them too. So. We'll see how they evolve. I mean, one out of three ain't bad when you're the one knocking on the door, but I I think it'll make a difference. And if we look at that National League West, I mean, because we're looking at the Dodgers, they've got, uh, let's see, thus far 13 wins, four losses. Giants 10 and 6. Padres 10 and 8. So they've got two more losses. That puts them at just over 500 or 556. Dodgers 765. Then you get down to Diamondbacks, and then in the absolute basement are the Rockies, with a win-loss record of four and twelve, giving them a twenty-five percent win-loss rate. Ouch! Ouch! In the last yeah, the last ten games they've won two out of eight. Looking at the Rockies, they're the lowest team performer in all the National League. You know, it's it's just dumbfounding to me. But, you know, Brandon, some of it – actually, I had some of those numbers. I need to update those. So, the Dodgers have actually had 14 wins and four losses, puts them at 778. And the Rockies are down there in the bottom with 5-12. and So, they did get an extra win in the last day or so here. So, that puts them at 294. Being at the pit of that – well, well, who's at the pit? This pit not just the National League West, but across the entire National League. And if say, well, how does that reflect in the American League? Well, if we look, and what we'll find is that uh, what do we find? Well, oh my gosh, I know these guys have been chasing the basement, but the Yankees have hit it, man. They're six and ten. They're at three seventy-five, so something's happening there. But still, ouch! And there's been a lot of pain with the Yankees. You know, they they finally won one last night, but. They lost to the Blue Jays, I believe, in Dunedin, and (laughs) lost to the three games at home with the Rays. So they're on their way back with one win with the Braves. And the pain is there. It's being felt. And Brandon, I mean, if you look at it, look at the money that's being spent. You know, we're, we're talking about National League and American League. Not surprisingly, the top two teams as far as their payroll goes for 2021, the Dodgers, with, like I said, almost 78% wins, is spending $247 million for their total payroll. Wait, they're getting their money's worth. Yeah, exactly. And the, the Yankees, with uh, almost 38% win streak there, uh, spent $200 million. Yeah, I know. Uh, I don't have the exact number, but I've heard as low as 25% of that is what the race... About 50 million, I, I I may have to confirm that later. But wow, you go down the list after that. Uh, there's the Astros, the Mets, the Phillies, the Angels, the Red Sox, and the Red Sox. Once you go down from the Yankees at 200, you're at 174 million, and the Padres are spending 172 million. So it kind of gives you an idea of where the money's being spent. But if you're in the Yankees and you're spending second amongst all 30 teams with 200 million expectations should be high. They should be high for the ownership. They should be high for the team themselves, certainly the manager and the fans. And the fans have been kind of irate lately.
1: Yeah, and that's what comes with expectations. They're both a blessing and a curse. We we see it with some of our teams here, thankfully, because they found recent success. And, you know, when you have these expectations of win or bust, and you fall short or you get off to a slow start like the Yankees are right now, fans tend to panic, even though it's not always rational, like what the Yankees fans may be feeling right now because it's so early, but that's what happens when you have expectations.
0: And isn't that part of the excitement of the game? And you expect certain competitive spirit and results uh, You know, when you're investing yourself as a fan and certainly as an owner and as a general manager. But before we get into all that with the general manager, you know, you and I have talked before about how we like to see more of a small game. And the Yankees, it has been all about a long game. It has been all about home runs. And can you take this? I know you've done a little more research on that, Brandon, and let's see, was it Mr. James Smith? What was some of the information you discovered when looking at the Yankees and small ball and long ball? Yeah, the- some of the stuff I found comes from views from
1: 314feet.com and pinstripealley.com, so go ahead and check those out if you get the chance or if you're a Yankee fan. But starting with something called the Gian number, and that's baseball's protect- prospectus' measure that tells us the number of runs that come from the homers, so it's a percentage, where, say, if we score 10 runs in a game, but four of those runs came from a homer, then forty percent would be the GIANT number, and even though this article is from twenty nineteen, I still believe it is relevant because you know this Yankee core has been around for that long already. Even though it seems like they just come up, so back in twenty seventeen, their GIANT number was forty six point seven four percent. That ranked sixth in all of MLB. In eighteen, it rose to fifty point seven six. Now was first in MLB. And in 2019, it was 49.35
0: percent, eighth in the MLB. And, and, and <clears throat> sorry, and, and just to reiterate, that Guillen number is the percentage of the total runs, or I should say, percentage of the total runs that are actually home runs. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And J-
1: and yes, network stats guru James Smith said, across all of baseball history playoff teams score 12% more runs than non-playoff teams score a greater percentage of those runs via the Homer 16% more than the non-playoff teams and hit more Homers overall 25% more. So it seems like the Homer is sort of a key to success instead of more of the small ball aspect, which we have been preaching a little bit more.
0: Yeah. And I'm really curious though. I mean, looking at those numbers that you're talking about and you're talking about the uh, regular season compared to post-season ball. And so they actually increase in, in, in both. It's not just the regular season. You're seeing an increase with, of uh, the teams that have more home runs are achieving more. They're getting more wins. Is that accurate? That's what it would seem. And I believe I have more on that later, but,
1: the runs and home runs both go down, and many people have different opinions on that. Some say it's because it's colder, the ball doesn't fly as far, which you know is true to an extent. It flies further when it's July and it's hot out. And, you know, the pitching's better, and they can keep the ball down and in the park more often, which is true as well. And looking at playoff teams from '95 to 2018 in the regular season and postseason, this comes courtesy of Smith as well, the runs per game in the regular season were 4.97 on average, and the playoffs fell to 4.17, which was a 16% drop. The home runs averaged in the regular season 1.15, and the playoffs fell to 1.06, an 8% change. And the Gian number actually rose from 37.2% in the regular season to 39.6% in the playoffs, a 6% increase.
0: Wow, you know, I, I guess I would have thought that uh, a team that's more versatile, that wasn't reliant on home runs, would actually be doing more. I mean, because a lot of times you're thinking of, okay, they got a home run, but who was on base? How many RBIs came with that? So I would have thought a lot of times because of those RBIs that that would be you know players that aren't hitting homers. But it's, it's kind of interesting. I, this is uh, more than I would have expected.
1: Yeah, and you no, know, that's where the small ball aspect I believe can come in a bit more because to get guys on base you gotta get walks, you gotta get singles, doubles, or triples. So you gotta find ways to get guys on base. And going back to what what they wrote in the article, this builds off research done earlier at baseball prospectus by Ben Lindbergh and Dan Turkenkopf that the results are pretty clear. Teams score fewer runs in the playoffs and they hit fewer home runs but a greater percentage of the runs are scored via the home run in the playoffs. And like you said earlier, is there evidence that home run reliant teams fare worse in the playoffs? In 182 playoff series over that period that I just read off a couple minutes ago, there are 92 and 90 in 182 playoff series. So just a tad above 500. And looking at World Series winners... Their runs per game in the regular season and the postseason went from 4.92 to 452, an 8% decrease. Homers went from 81 or 0.81 in the regular season to 0.86 in the postseason, a 6% increase. And their gian number went from 26.6 to 30.3%, a 14% increase.
0: That is huge. And remind us again, what's the gian number?
1: It's basically the percentage of runs, of, or percentage of your total runs, that come from the homer, and it's like the score ten, but four come from the homer. Your gian number would be forty percent.
0: Well, and that's something because you like said you think Gia number, you're looking at a fourteen percent increase. That is that's significant.
1: Yes, and their closing arguments and their article and this portion. I'm sorry, I apologize, I forgot. It came from views from 314 feetcom so you can feel free to go check them out. It's a it's a really good article to read. He closed out with writing. Again, this is pretty clear. Fewer runs, but more home runs, which means that teams actually rely on the home run to win bi- in, to win in October, excuse me. It also means that because of the low run scoring environment when the lights are brightest and the temperature is coolest, you want to build a team that is already capable of hitting a lot of home runs. Better yet, you want your entire entire lineup, not just a few guys, capable of going deep. If power is the name of the game in October, then you want top-to-bottom, consistent power threats across the lineup to maximize your chance of winning the World Series. Sam, I don't know about you, but that sounds like the Yankee offense.
0: Yeah, it does. So, you know, maybe with this criticism I'm given early on, maybe everything's going to change. We, we know it's still early, but... A lot of the fans are, are client, cr- crying for blood now. Uh, the thing of it is, are teams learning a way to restrict those home runs? Uh, it was amazing to me to see how many times Aaron Judge was not able to get a piece of the ball, you know, looking at his strikes, outs, et cetera, recently. So I guess they are going to have to cripple not just runs or uh, you know hits, but home runs as well. So – We'll see how that evolves.
1: Yeah, and if success in October really comes from getting home runs, and the Yankees are pretty good at getting homers, we know plenty of that, and if the stats say they don't fall short because of their offense, then what's the cause? And that leads me to the article from com, And they have a fact from Dan Zembrowski, of fan graphs and he has some projections called zips and he took a look at what would have happened if the yankees had a rotation of shane bieber jake degrom trevor bauer and you darvish along with garrett cole and he re- re-ran projections on what the yankees Rays alds would have been last year and do you know what the with that super rotation that the yankees had what would you give the percentage of the Yankees of winning that series?
0: Oh, I, I would have said 90%. I mean, that that is unbelievable. Bieber, DeGrom, Barr, and Darvish, and Garrett Cole. Yeah, 90%. I mean, I,
1: I would have probably said 99 to be honest with the way our offense is and with that pitching staff. But actually, Zips yielded a forecast of about 60-40 in favor of the Yankees.
0: Oh, my gosh and Dan Zabrowski is uh, the one who did the homework on fan graphs on this. Yeah, he did fan graphs and
1: he did the projections called zips of it and it's very interesting. And honestly I thought it would have been a lot bigger of a difference but it's pretty pretty close to a coin toss even with that rotation.
0: Well yeah, you, go ahead and put something up later on if you like on the at, at Sports Blitz Pod because I think people would probably enjoy digging even deeper into that. And Going back to the article,
1: they write The Yankee critics suppose that their inability to come through when it matters most ignore how much the Yankees have actually come through when it matters most. And during the playoffs last year, the Yankees played seven games, won the majority of them, and outscored their opponents by 14 runs. Last year, the Yankees, or 2019, the Yankees played nine playoff games, won the majority of those, and outscored their opposition again. By 14 points yet again and if the yankees if that doesn't work in the playoffs why do they keep outplaying their opponents so much like they are right now and they chalk it up to the random championship generator that is the MLB postseason and they write for the most part over the past four seasons the yankees have entered the playoffs with the look of a juggernaut they have continued to play well, ultimately falling short because only one team out of 30 gets to win the title. They lost the 2017 ALCS in seven games, got crushed by the rival Red Sox in the 2018 ALDS, lost the 2019 ALCS on a walk off homer, and lost the 2020 ALDS in five games on a late homer. So, outside of the one playoff series, they really haven't gotten embarrassed. It just seemed like a team that can't come through when it matters the most. Like, they always find a way to lose. They just have to find a way to get over the hump. That's what it would seem like, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, that. how can you find a way to fail when you've got that those kind of prospects? I mean, just those kind of people at bat, those kind of people working in the field, and those kind of results over the year. Wow. Uh, there's no – can anybody imagine why the Yankee fans are a little perturbed?
1: Yeah, I, I can understand why they they'd be perturbed, as you would say. That's a pretty big word, Mark. Hey, more, I'm, more out of my more, more out
0: of my vocabulary. I my, just my, upset. <laughs> I got my caffeine cooking this morning. You know, some of the neurons are actually firing. So hey, well, you know, what I'm saying, Brandon, I, the fans, you know, they're upset. There's all kinds of complaints going on, and it's so much so that the general manager Brian Cashman's had to come out and, and say some things about this. Uh, you know, once See, I was looking at one thing. He says, "I think we're all in the same boat with performance." This was from a Zoom call the other day. Our record is reflective. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me about that. Before we get into it, well, tell me about the Zoom call. You saw that.
1: Uh, I mean, I didn't really hear much of it, but I saw some of it. Actually, I saw a lot of it. And my biggest takeaway I have so far is the catchman needs to learn how to back up from the camera a bit more. I mean, we were talking in the uh. We were talking pre-show, and I said that he kind of looks like old people in a TV show where they don't know how to work FaceTime and they have the camera up to their face and it takes up the whole screen. That kind of (laughs) looked like that.
0: I am the great and mighty Oz. You know, (laughs) I just see this big giant (laughs) face filling the room. Ah, but anyway. (laughs) Well, you know, he is the GM. But uh, seriously, though, (laughs) he's, he's got a face to music, you know, he... It's uh, if we look, and I'm going to take a quick look at the history because if you think about this, the last time that the Yankees won a World Series was back in 2009. And in 2010, George Steinbrenner, the owner, passed. And I think with him, maybe some of the ingenuity, the fire, you know, about making the, <laughs> the fire behind getting things done kind of left, too. And, and and maybe that's a little rough. But you got to realize, too, they were about change. If you look at the Yankees with the managers they had, I mean, there were some great people there. They had Girardi for quite a while before they brought Boone and Girardi was there for 10 years. Joe Torrey was at C. Becker for nine years before that. You had Bucky Showalter. But before he had all them in Yogi Berra and Bucky Dent. He had you had Billy Martin interspersed in there. He popped in and out. He made guest appearances, maybe just for a year or so. <laughs> but his passion with that team, you know, he had, he had arguments with Steinbrenner all the time. Most times, I think the arguments were between intermediaries. That was part of the problem. But back then, there was a I think a passion more going on between owner and manager and the team because. There was a lot of arguments, even with uh, Reggie Jackson. We won't. We could do a whole thing on Martin and just Reggie Jackson in and of itself. But but Cashman has had to own up to this, you know. And as I starting to say earlier, he said during that Zoom interview, I think we were all in the same boat with performance. Our record is reflective of our organization. Obviously, Aaron's a piece of that, as am I. But otherwise, he's doing everything he needs to. He's he's cross checking whether it's lineup related, whether it's how you deploy the troops. Are in the defensive standpoint. Obviously, he spoke to the team after that tough loss Friday night. He's talking about with the rays. He, he, you know, so he's doing everything he needs to do. And more importantly, these guys, because we trust our players and we trust their ability. We trust over the course of time that will, as it normally does, correct itself with a lot more games on the belt. So I I think Aaron Boone is doing everything he can within his power currently. You know, and he and he goes on to, on some other pieces, he's saying, let's see, one of them. Uh, oh, as the manager, Boone always has the disposal to utilize the roster how he sees fit, Cashman said. Clearly, there's a lot of different choices to play with. That's something he deals with and wrestles with his coaching staff on a day-in and day-out basis. If you want to switch things around in the outfield, you certainly have some other choices to play with, If you want, and you can do the same on the infield too. There's a little bit of flexibility there and that goes all the way to catching, to the catching spot. So he's always had that in his back pocket. Okay. That's, that's Cashman talking about Zoom. And there's a couple of things I'm hearing there from their Brandon. One, Gary Sanchez, who I thought was sacred, evidently is not. And Cashman's kind of putting the whole onus on Boone. So Aaron, I'm giving you, the opportunity to make whatever changes you need to. So,
1: yeah, I was gonna say that. Doesn't it seem like he's kind of pushing the blame on the Boone instead of taking some responsibility for himself? Even though he kind of did a little bit, but he seems like he's just trying to put it all on Boone, or at least as much as he can.
0: When it comes to MLB, you and I both have seen owners and managers who kind of push away responsibility of whether it's something significant are something merely as what's happening uh, with the record, you know, onto the managers. Because one, <laughs> what are you gonna do about the players they got their union? Two, the managers are first to go, hello, Mr. Hench, hello, Mr. Cora. But for much more serious reasons than than this. But he he will inevitably be the fall guy. And Billy Martin's ready to raise out of his grave and take that seat again. You make another guest appearance. There you go. Yeah. I don't know, brother. I mean, I'm looking at this. We talked about how much money is being spent on the uh, on the Yankees. The, there's something there. So what do we look at? We're looking at t- who, who's where's the responsibility laid? Does it lay with the manager? Does it lay with the general manager? Because guess what? Aaron Boone can only work with the picks that the general mas- manager has made. So do, do you fire Boone? Do you fire Cashman? Do you take Aaron Hicks and Clint Frazier, move them down to the minors, trade someone? I mean, do you wait it out? Do, does there just need to be some sort of shock in that in that dugout, something to wake people up? Are we looking at too many prima donnas and not a full team? I, I don't know. Well, what are some of your ideas on this, Brandon?
1: Well, I'll start with the offensive side of the ball. I don't think they're off to a slow start. I mean, it's just a fact. Their average is two ten. That's 14th in the AL. They have 52 RBIs, 491, oh no, 49, 55 runs. That's 14th in the AL. So they're a, a bottom five offense for the most part. And it's early. They, We know what this offense can do. So I'm looking at that more like it's a slow start more than anything else. Looking at what their biggest problem is and what I think they can do to fix this is that, like I said, I don't think offense is their problem. I think it's more the other side of the ball. And looking at their pitching staff, outside of Garrett Cole, who on the starting rotation scares you? I mean, I don't think it's that great. Does Kluwer mm. scare you? No, no, not at all. Herman, who's averaging like a run an inning?
0: No. M- he starts? Mont- Montgomery i look at twice.
1: Yeah, Montgomery, maybe, but... Outside also had to call, the, the rotation doesn't scare me. Their bullpen I, it has some question marks for me. I mean, Green, O'Day, of course, Chapman, when he's not... When he can control his pitches. And Lo, Lo Saiga, I believe that's his name. They, they, they seem like they could be pretty good. And a little hint for some playoff success, maybe, in those elimination games. I say don't put Chapman in late, because... I'm just not trying to pick on him because he's a Yankee, but we've seen it in the Yankees, we saw it against the Rays and the Astros, and he almost continued the misery of Cubs fans when he gave up that homer to Rajay Davis in Game 7 that ended up tying the game, so he almost added to their misery, and their defense has been among the worst in MLB, and according to TeamRankings.com, their rankings of team errors per game, and this year they ranked 28th with 0.8 errors so far this year, so they're among the worst. And in 2020, they ranked 29th, with 0.76 errors per game, trailing the Orioles, Rockies, and Red Sox. I don't think it's all on the offense. I think it's more the defensive side of the ball. You know, the pitching staff isn't the greatest outside of Cole. The bullpen, I think, could be pretty decent, possibly. And the defense, I just think, is horrendous. I mean that—that's my opinion. Yankee fans, I feel differently. They watch this team every day; they feel more passionate about it. But, I mean, I mean, what do you
0: think? I think you need to get out the calipers and jumpstart this this team because they do absolutely suffer right now. And and you're on the mark as far as what they're doing defensively. I I, I wanted to cry. I mean, here I am pulling for the Rays, but I wanted to cry when I kept seeing Aaron Hicks. You know, one mess after another. Uh, you know, dropping the ball, missing the ball. You know, Clint, Clint Fraser is not playing what he what he's done in the past. And I'm looking there, and I'm saying, oh my gosh, you, you're damn lucky you got Brett Gardner thrown out there. <laughs> you know, and so, so maybe, uh, maybe Hicks, Hicks, and Fraser and a few others are, aren't doing everything they need to be doing. Set them down, set them down. Bring in somebody else. You know, if Gardner and Talkman do a job, great. Maybe look at. Uh, Find somebody in your minors who can do it good. Send some of these guys down to the minors. Wake them up because that's what it's going to take. Otherwise, no Yankee fan is going to want to continue to see this kind of season. They'll walk away. They'll quit buying merch. They'll quit watching it. They'll quit buying tickets. You know, but... They'll throw stuff at you. Yeah, or they'll throw... Yeah, maybe. Because maybe there's, there's more fulfillment for them in their anger than in actually having a winning team. I don't know. But... I would definitely agree with you. I think you definitely have to do something about that fielding, and it's just not there. Plus, wake up, guys. Should be seeing better batting averages in this period. So I don't know. Aaron Boone's got his work cut out for him, man, because while Cashman shows support, (laughs) I think at the end of the day, it may be Boone who sees the door.
1: Yeah, and also I want to say this. I've said it countless times. I think I've said it every show so far since the season started. It's early. Don't panic. If they're doing this around Memorial Day, then you can start really starting to panic. Because how many times have we seen not just the Yankees, but any team start off slow and people like, oh, this team's horrible. But they end up making the playoffs. I mean, if you want a team who should be very disappointed in their start, I think it's the Braves. Because... I think their roster is as good, if not better, than the Yankees, possibly. Yeah. And the Yankees beat them last night. Or at least Tuesday night when we're recording this. Three to one. And maybe that's the jump start they need going up against a, a good team that's come off to a, a slow start. But maybe we can talk about the Braves next week in this fashion.
0: I well, I think it's definitely worth a look. I mean, every week we should probably pick at least one team. The Yankees he said it's easy to pick on them. They've got a great history. They're spending money. And as you said, the season is still early. We're maybe 10% into the full season and things change. See, you know, players step up. New players come up from the minors. There's trades being made all the time. I I know. I hope they keep Boone. I think he's working with <laughs> some great tools that just need to be oiled up a bit. Or they need to be replaced.
1: I would say you keep everybody. It's working so far for us.
0: There you go. Yeah, us Rays fans don't mind it at all. So anyway, it has been another great episode here of Baseball Biz, but I do want to end with one more look at the Yankees and say, we too bid farewell to uh, Jay Bruce. I, you know, I, it had to be rough after losing those games to the Rays, and at the end of the game, you have a ceremony for a guy you just brought on He's only been there for a few games, and look out to him and say, uh, you know, ah, farewell, Jay, as we hardly knew ye. You know, here's this guy who had a great career. You know, his last three years were with Mets, Mariners, and Phillies, and they just brought him on with the Yankees. And a few games into the season, he says, I'm retiring. Well, some fans may feel like that now, and I'm sure there's times that Aaron Boone has thought that for himself. But Yankees, hold out hope, hold out faith still early we'll see what comes
1: yeah and i'm sure the emotions are running very high after getting swept by a rival and then a long time yankee is retiring after that series so you send them out that way and it's kind of like when the ray former ray great manny ramirez retired eight games into a season
0: well, like you said, it's it's a rough bump. We'll see what happens. You know, they lost a couple of games to the Blue Jays in Dunedin, Florida, in that small little stadium. But I'm not going to beat up on them anymore. I've God knows I've done enough here. But I do want to <laughs> say, well, you know, and I wish every team well. I don't necessarily wish the fan, I wish their fans were a little bit more civil. But yeah, my kid, Dad. Oh, Brandon, I that's about all I can say. I mean, it's been an interesting. Uh, edition of the baseball biz here talking about the Yankees and also about the Dodgers and Padres rivalry there's a whole lot happening in baseball but it's still early in the season any parting words you want to share with our friends here on the baseball biz Brandon
1: uh just keep it up Yankees and mostly just remember it's still early wait till Memorial Day to start forming your your big opinions
0: Great. And Brandon, once again folks can find you on Twitter at Sports Blitz Pod. And maybe later on you can post a couple of those figures you've had that you found on the uh, fan gra- uh, fan graphs and some of the other ones. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. I again, I'm Mark Carver. You can find me at The Baseball Biz on Twitter. And you can also find Brandon and I on a variety of podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you know, we're on so many. I mean, we're out there everywhere just for you. So we look forward to talking with you all again real soon. Special thanks to x R-U-X for the music rocking forward.